here we are, everybody, Wednesday night, right after AEW Dynamite goes off the air, and of course, here we are with Dynamite After Dark. I am your host, Zanman Shane Sabuni, along with my good buddy Jeff, and I gotta tell you, Jeff, I missed the first half hour of this show, and it was still full of things that pissed me off. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I, I'm just pissed off in general, so this is going to be a great show. <laughs> <laughs> I, tro- I dropped my phone in a snowbank it was, uh, as soon as I went got to pick up my kid, and uh, I didn't charge it before I left work, so it was dead for half the night while I was trying to dry out the port, and then, uh, you know, just all hell's broken loose since then, so... You know, I was in a good mood, and then I and then I got and then I got home from my uh, from the birthday party I was at, and put on AEW. And the first thing I see is uh, Mel attacking Riho, and Chris Statlander fighting her off, and then Chris Statlander getting attacked by the rest of I, I, the uh, Nightmare Collective. And I'm like, really? There's a they're having the women's title match with the best wrestler in the uh, in the division, finally wrestling for the championship. And this is the kind of filibuster. I'll be right back. And uh, it was just completely ridiculous what? to me. I mean, here we are, Chris Statlander finally getting getting her shot at Riho, and uh, like I said, this Mel chick gets involved, and then we have uh, Awesome Kong get involved, and then Brandy runs down when she's doing commentary at ringside, and we get um. That that chick named uh, or that that uh, some some other guy comes down, uh, Luther I think they said his name was I guess he's a Japanese guy, or he's famous like being a Japanese wrestler in some promotion and he comes down and and he was the shaved like monster guy that she had that one day, uh, sitting in the back with Brandy and uh, he interferes in the match too, and once again Riho holds on to the women's championship. So here she is, the littlest woman in the division. Um, she keeps pulling out miraculous win after miraculous win. She has beaten now the top five contenders for her championship in the last two goddamn weeks. And so now, you know, she's beaten... Uh, in the last two weeks, she's beaten... Uh, I should say the top four contenders for her championship. She's beaten now Chris Statlander, uh, Dr. Britt Baker... Uh, Sheeta and Nyla Rose all in the last two weeks. And, yeah, I and uh, and you know she keeps she keeps winning all these matches. And this is a week after you getting put through a table by Nyla Rose. So I mean, it's like it's getting to be a point where it's ridiculous now. Where how, how are, we're supposed to believe that somebody at some point can beat this unbeatable three-pound chick? Well, the I understand why she was made the first champion she pretty much stole the show in as far as the women's division goes in four straight of their specials and pay-per-views so i get why she was named the champion but you're right it's now we're now four months in she's still the champ it's something that probably should have been lost a while ago granted she hasn't really been up against anybody other than Sheeta that's been worthy now statlander is uh, i agree the best wrestler in the company and she proved it again tonight and it, it just I, i'm kind of there with you i think it's time for her to drop the belt i really believe that yeah and and now she but now she's beaten every single woman and she's like i said she's beaten every every top top challenger in the division in both singles matches and multi-man matches so 
So now what, um, this Mel chick is going to be the one to beat her, or Brandy Rose is going to be the one to beat her? I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. And if, and if not, it's probably going to be goddamn Britt Baker, which makes me, makes me even more pissed off. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be Britt, because Britt is solidly in the middle of her heel turn. Yeah, and that's what we need and she's, is, is another unproven person at the top of the division. Right. And well, I mean, let's face it, there's not a whole lot of proven commodities in that division anyway. I mean, outside no, of Ali. You and I agreed last week when we talked about this that far and away, Hirokoroshida and Chris Dattler are the best two women's wrestlers in the division, and, and it looks like they're not going to get a sniff at, sniff at that title. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I And, I mean... And they did a great job the last few weeks getting Chris Dattler under over, too, and then they blow it with this. Yeah, and now they've got them all teaming together too. So it's just I don't know. I I don't know what to think about it. I think that's a that's a huge misstep. But in all honesty, they don't really have a whole lot of over talent on that roster as far as the the women go. I mean, we've got the two best wrestlers, but we know nothing about them. Statlander kind of has a built-in storyline going with um Brandy and Nightmare Collective, but outside of that, there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of anything built up on any of these women. Which no, is that's true. Chris Tyler was undefeated coming in. You know, she's clearly the class of the division, in my opinion. Or she and she, oh, I agree. Or you know, one two in some order. Or or this might be this might actually be a case where one and one a makes sense. Wait, um, what? Hold. Wait, wait. No, no, no. You don't get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't do it. If you yell at me every time I do it, you can't get away with that one and one A stuff. Well, I think Statlander is one and Sheeta is two, but I think I think it could easily be switched around one way or the other, just you know, based on 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 them on you know every match they have, one of them could one of them could pull ahead of uh, ahead of them, in my opinion. And and we haven't, like you said, we you know neither one of them is really established. We haven't seen them a ton. So that's why I'm saying that in this case, I might be willing to concede one and one A. My, my only problem with Sheeta, and I think it's Statlander, is the class, and then Sheeta is number two. And my only reason for saying that is that Sheeta has been in multiple um, championship matches for the title, and she just does not seem to get over with the crowd. Mustache Girl seems to get over more than Sheeta does. Right. Which, which is really annoying because uh, outside of people who actually in, uh, are watching it for the wrestling aspect, she's just not getting over. I think we need to have more matches on, more women's matches on the show that are not based around the title. Right. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really speak to the quality of the match. What, what I saw was good, but I can't really speak to the overall quality of the match or... Um, or the, or obviously the, the the opening match that I really wanted, you know, that I really wanted to see, and I can't believe was the opening match on the show. I guess I, I mean I guess I guess I should be used to that by now because they seem to open it with a hot match every single week. But I mean I really wish we had seen that later in the show so I'd had a chance to watch it. Yeah, and I mean it was from from what I saw, it was a good match. Granted, I wasn't able to sit down and watch it. Uh, as closely as I was last week's shows, because well, I have a child here this week, um, but and it was cat. Uh, well, the cat wasn't a problem tonight. Tonight was me in the snowbank, and then um, my child who really desperately wanted to play. Um, so, and of course, you know that kind of takes precedence. I can always watch it later, but um, 
I they're still trying to get over this page heel turn, but the problem is is the way there is not as I, I don't know, believable as I'd hoped. He seems to still be on the same page with Kenny. They seem to celebrate and love each other before and after the matches, but we've got the announcers talking it up. Uh, it's I, I don't know if they're actually going to pull the trigger or if this is just going to kind of be him as a, as a member of making up with the elite at some point. I, I don't know. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with it being a slow, a slow burn, but, you know, I... And you know, but I, th- I think what you're saying is that we're getting, we're seeing, we're hearing more of them telling us what's going on rather than actually showing us what's going on, and that's always a problem. Well, I mean, even in his uh, in his guest spot last week when he was you know announcing, you know, being a guest announcer, he was talking about how he keeps trying to break away from the elite, but they keep putting him in matches with Kenny, and then he's in this match with Kenny, and there was this one, there was one spot where Kenny uh, knocked. Um, I can't remember which one of the private party, but one of the two into into Hangman, and then of course they just kissed and made up after the match. So it, it just if it's a slow burn, that's great, but let's show a little more disdain between um, Hangman and the rest of the elite. He's not showing any. Yeah, I mean, it, even if even if it's just like you know, I keep trying to get away with you guys, and you guys won't leave me alone. Right. You know, I'm sorry, my 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 microphone had to take some. Tassie, my foot started cramping up. Um, but, but yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just they're not. It, it this is such a slow burn that it's not even. It, it's not making sense. I think is the biggest problem. What I would really like to see is them do more with this, like you know, Hangman team up with the Bucks or reinforce. You know, and he he'd be like, you know, what, guys, I didn't want to team with you. I'm trying to get away from you guys. Right. And, and instead of just being Kenny all the time. And, and I and I know that they're probably doing Kenny because they're setting up for Kenny versus Hangman. But I think it makes I think it would make a lot of sense if it was him just always like kind of being pulled into these matches and and always resisting doing it. And just and then he finally snaps and is like, you know what? I kept telling you guys I needed some time alone. I kept telling you guys I didn't want to be part of the elite. You guys wouldn't leave me alone. So now I'm gonna now I'm snapping on all your asses. Yeah, I mean, and that's about where it's at. But the reality is, is he's not doing anything on his own either. And either. Cool. You know, yeah, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't had a chance to yet. <laughs> it's just been tag match after tag match. The whole reason he wanted to leave the elite is because he wasn't winning. Right. He wasn't he wasn't getting over the way he thought he should, but and he wasn't winning. But here he is in these tag matches every single week, winning. And the crowd is so, uh, solidly behind him. They chant more about cowboy shit than they do about anything else. So it's it's whatever his reasoning for wanting to leave the elite just doesn't hold any water because his two reasons are not they're they're just false yeah it's not just cowboy shit it's cowboy shit reasoning yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i mean i i mean there you go our, our first two matches of the night and um the first one is an a heel turn angle that's just not making any sense because his whole reasons for, for turning heel aren't there and um the best wrestler in the division getting punked out of a out of a world title win by Nightmare Collective interfering in something that really didn't make much sense either. I mean, unless it was unless the whole reason why Kong cost uh, Statlander the win there was to set up Kong taking the championship. Okay, I get it, but that's the only thing that makes sense out of this whole out of that whole disaster. No. What, what, another thing that makes sense is, is, you know, going back to, 
weeks and weeks when we talked about MJF versus, you know, starting on Cody is if she's just an asshole and she's costing Chris Antler, Chris Antler the championship because she hates because she doesn't like her. Is another is another reason. Except for the fact that she's um, pointed down uh, Riho after the match. That's the only thing that was um, leading me to believe that's what they were setting up was Awesome Kong versus Riho. Ah, okay. And Awesome Kong can barely wrestle anymore. So as much as I was excited to see her in the, in the division, you know, knowing that she's limited by injury and she can barely do, do anything in the ring anymore, I, I really did not want to see her holding that championship, at least not for very long. No, but and we kind of said the same thing about Riho when she wanted. It was the right decision at the time to put it on her, but it had to be a short title reign. Yeah. And now we're pushing, we're pushing almost five months now. Yeah, now we're a quarter. Now we're at a quarter of it or a third of a year, and it's and it's been way too long. You know, um, before we get to before we stray too far from um, a segue, I wanted to make. I, I also wanted to say that you know you would, you would t- we talked about how they're telling more than showing about what's going on with Hangman Page. Right. And they did exactly the same thing with the Diamond Dallas Page segment later on, where oh. where you know they get, they get in the ring as as they get in the ring. Um, one of the announcers, I think it was uh, Excalibur, says Blade and the Butcher, two of the tough two of the toughest guys to form a tag team we've seen in a long time. And they and got then punked by the sixty-three later, year old. They won't yeah. get punked with diamond cutters in the middle of the ring by a fifty-some-year-old guy. 60-some-year-old guy. 60 he's, 60, guy. he's 63. I mean, what the fuck and was that shit? I, we, I said that. so tough that a 63-year-old guy who hasn't wrestled in 20 years can kick their asses in the span of seconds. Well, and I said that about Wardlow when he got diamond-cuttered by Paige after the battle bowl, or after that battle ring was won. I know, but I, but and you know, that, that, to me, this is almost twice as bad because, he, yeah, Wardlow's bigger than these guys, but this is two guys getting taken out that quickly. Well, and I'm starting to wonder if Wardlow's injured because he's avoiding any kind of contact or anything. He was he was starting to get as soon as um, he had a chance to hit Page, he kind of backed up, and then MJF got in between them, and then of course, you know, everything happened with uh, the. No, I'm thinking about a different segment, but um, then uh, you know, Dustin comes out, CT comes out, and they just um, Wardlow, who's the biggest guy in the in the ring, and who's supposed to be ridiculously scary, just kind of climbs out and walks away. Yeah, I, I, it's even even Hagar. They didn't hold back that much, so I'm starting to wonder if he might be injured and was just introduced a little too early well if he's just gonna be a bodyguard figure for a while then he has, then he was introduced too early and this kind of it's kind of like diesel was originally with with Shawn michaels you know he didn't he didn't really get physically involved for quite a while um but but i mean and, and so if it's trying to kind of go that same route i totally understand it where so you know sometimes it's like in a sense it's almost like when you're watching a horror movie you know the best horror movies they don't show the monster in full until like near the very end of the movie. So, right. so we're just we're seeing this world that we're seeing he's big and huge, but we really don't have no have any idea what his capabilities are until he finally strikes. Well, he's getting, but the thing is, is he's got nothing. He he doesn't even like this whole thing with uh, DDP. DDP just falls over. He goes, oh, Wardlow, and fell over. He do, he hasn't had a stare down with anybody. He hasn't had anything that makes him look intimidating. It's no, just, just that, some just that one punch to the face of, of <clears throat> Hangman Page. That's it. 
Yeah, that's literally the only thing he's done. Um, so it's it's kind of it's starting to make me wonder where this end game is going, and if it's going to be if it's because he's he's injured. But again, like like you had mentioned it, I mean, this is three guys that are being pushed as big badasses who have been punked by DDP, a sixty three year old guy. <clears throat> it's starting to not. It's not looking very well. I'm, I was going to bring that up too. I'm glad you did. I was going to say, what what is it about DDP's contract that makes him untouchable? And then that, uh, and then you know, he made that announcement like earlier, before you know, right before that happened, where he said that. Uh, first of all, I love that that he when he was talking to MJF was just was just on his phone because that's exactly exactly the same yeah, thing just I was doing when DDP was talking. Texted, yeah, when he was texting. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was but, brilliant. But uh, but then you know, DDP says. People, everybody's been asking me, when are you going to get the ring for one more match? And I'm like, nobody in their right mind is asking you that, Paige. And nobody wants to see it. You come in, you do your diamond cutter spot and leave. Yeah. At this point, and it's not, I mean, it's not because I, I, I have a legend spot. I, you know, I do have a legend spot for DDP, but Absolutely. Let's, let's face it. He's, he's 63 years old. The last thing I want to hear, see him do is get in the ring and, be a 63 year old wrestler i don't want him looking like the rock like the uh, midnight or uh, 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 rock and roll express does no i want to see not want him to and, and he's been retired for so many years i mean i i love the fact that he's there i love that he's a mentor to cody and part of the uh nightmare family but i don't need him to be an active professional wrestler and i don't care if it's a, if it's a one-off if it's a every quarter thing i, I don't want him in there there's no, there's no reason for it well, luckily, and, and, we and you just know that the way this match is set up, he's going to be the guy that gets the diamond cutter and gets the and gets that feel good win mm-hmm. for for you know idiots when he gets when he, in that six man tag next week. I mean, Dustin's not that far behind him age wise. I think what Dustin's he's he's in his mid fifties, isn't he? But Dustin can still go, and he's been able to go for years. And he's, but he, and he's also been an active wrestler. He, right. It's not like he walked away and was in retirement and then just came back for a one-off and stayed. He has been an active wrestler for quite a while. Right. You know, and he's still in shape. He can still perform, and he's been able to change his gimmick, or, you know, whatever he does a lot like Jericho does, to adapt to today's style of wrestling, where I don't see Diamond Dallas. Diamond Dallas Page was never that great technician. Or that never that really great storyteller. He was he had an insane connection to the crowd, and he um, was able to hit high spots and and tell a decent enough story in the ring to carry to carry the um, the match. But he was never that Dustin Rhodes, Chris Jericho type of storyteller. So plus, it's plus. Let's face it. You know. You know. We talked the other day on Kingdom of Honor about guys that. Um, started late in their careers and got over late in their careers. You know, DDP was like 35 when he first broke into the wrestling business. Well, he no, he was he was 28, but they typecast him as a as a manager. He didn't actually get in the ring until he was 35. That's that's what I mean. When he actually became a wrestler, he was like 35 years old. Yeah, and then it still took him. You know, three. It took him till his uh, former. Um, talent came back and he turned on them to really get over with the crowd and once he turned on nwo there was no stopping him and he had you know what a good two to three years there where he was probably the most popular guy in the business next to stone cold 
Right. Whereas, whereas you know, the, the, that's where the difference is between him and Dustin Rose. So, like, Dustin's been wrestling since he was, like, 18 years old. And, and Dustin... He's been, and he's been in incredible shape most of that time. And he's got experience in, of how to do it. And, he, and he's gotten better over time. I mean, DDP... I mean, I mean, Dustin Rhodes is better today than he was in 95. You know? Well, yeah. DDP well, is... is did he, all DDP can do is duck out of things and do diamond cutters. And that's yeah. pretty much all DDP ever could do. I mean, that's that's what got him over so good. He was the working man's champion. He was the people's champion, but he was also... I, I'm trying to remember the last time he put on a, a classic. Was it 98 against Savage? Yes. I, he did have a couple of decent matches against Hogan when he was going for the title, but... I think the last really great match he had was against Randy Savage at Halloween Havoc. Actually, actually, it was Halloween Havoc, but it was against Goldberg in the in the match that ended the show where where you know it got cut off and there was that there was that huge controversy. Yeah, that's right. The match the match that nobody ever actually saw until it came out on video. Well, I saw it. I mean, it might, the when I was watching it. The cable system did cut off, but it came right back on. And I, but I oh, know good. a lot of people didn't, and then they aired it the next night on Nitro, and cable companies had to give back a lot of money because people were complaining, and it was just a whole big mess. And that was that was actually a really good match he had against Goldberg. So yeah, you're right. He did. I mean, he did it when he got the championship in WCW. He earned it. It wasn't something that was just given to him as a, oh, you've been popular for so long, let's just give it to you. He actually earned it. Right. Because he, he had that, I mean, he was probably the most popular guy in the company there for a long, long time. And that was when Goldberg was at his peak. DDP arguably was still the, the most over guy in that company. And he um, did have a string of, you know, a good two to three year string of putting on quality matches. But I would never have called him a technical wizard. A lot of them were his jobber matches where he'd come in, give a diamond cutter and leave. You know, this is the first time that I that I that I've looked at this and that I've looked at anything with AEW and said, okay, so this is definitely a result of nepotism. You know. Yep. Yeah. I and now we get to see him in his one-off next week. Whatever it is, what it is. Hopefully, it is a one-off and he goes back into the sunset. But um, I, I I don't know. I this is really the first dynamite episode that I've been fully disappointed in. And not because I mean that opening match was good, the um, six man tag match was fun, the the Dustin and Cody versus his uh, Lucha Brothers was fun, but nothing really really impressed me. I guess Sammy did again, but that match itself was a little less than what I've expected out of Sammy lately, and the whole thing at the end with the Dark Order coming out and um, you know and Pentagon by, by a, again. By a, Again, by uh, by uh, an ad hoc team. Yeah, that was just fantastic. Well, they also had um, the Young Bucks out there too. So right, but I mean, it's the Young Bucks team. You know, with with Christopher Daniels and well, I guess I guess with uh, SCU. But I mean, it's still basically, you know, these guys are rivals and they're teaming up and being able to fight off who's supposed to be like a um, cohesive stable cohesive has have they done anything that would make you even slightly think they're cohesive they get their asses beat every week they they do but my point is that they're you know they're a stable together they should they should be cohesive and yet they're getting their asses kicked by the bucks and um team overrated 
I mean, I like the fact that they are kind of running with the NJPW theme of having everybody's got to be in a stable type thing. And, um, you know, they they build their shows a lot similar to the way NJPW does. But these stables have to actually do something and matter to to really be to make it feel like the elite has it or the elite and inner circle really has any competition. I mean, dark order for everything they've done to try and get dark order over. And I mean, they had a misstep from the beginning by having these guys debut with nobody knowing who they were, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they fought, they fought and fought up from that. They got into this tournament. They actually put on decent performance in the tournament, but then got punked out by best friends and, um, really never amounted to anything after that. No, and then we thought, and you know, they looked like they were building them back up, but now they're again, they're getting their asses kicked every week again. Yeah, I mean, right now they're the only thing that they're using to build them up is are these um, little sideshow gimmicks and and commercials, infomercials, or whatever. But it's not paying off because as soon as they get in the ring, they get their asses kicked. No, and and, and it may take somebody big to actually accept that offer of the mask for that for that to happen, and you know, Daniel's doing it would have been cool. But, well, da- Daniel's you know. doing it probably would have been the thing that could have finally gotten them over and gotten them into a different, you know, area. Because if they, if somebody like you said, somebody big, somebody like Daniel's, puts that mask on, they're not losing. You're not going to put the mask on on Christopher Daniels and turn him against his brothers after this many years, and especially Frankie Kazarian, without having that stable go on a run. Right. And you know. About Christopher Daniels, during his match with Sammy, Jr. said, "Whoa," said Christopher Daniels is has has been an overachiever throughout his entire career. Has he watched the same Christopher Daniels career that I watched? Because what I saw Christopher Daniels do is be an incredibly talented performer who, for years and years and goddamn years, was used to put everybody else over. Except for his... And then it it wasn't until he is like 25 years in the business, he finally got his chance to run on top of a promotion. So I have no idea what the hell JR was talking about. Well, I mean, keep in mind, JR also did call it AEWE too, so um, I'm not putting much faith in it. You didn't hear him call it AEWE? I did not. Yeah, he did. (laughs) That was when... um, when Excalibur goes, yes, everybody's in awe <laughs> to cover up for it. But um, it, oh, I don't know. I, I overall, I, 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 I didn't watch it as closely and intently as I hoped I was would because I had you know so many other things going on. But I was very disappointed in this week's episode. Very, very disappointed. And, and, you know, I, a couple more things that, you know, I, I just want to touch on that, that disappointed me is because I, I started the show by saying it was full of things that pissed me off. Um, you know, you mentioned that we got to see the Lucha Brothers against the Brotherhood, which is awesome, except for you have those two teams facing each other, including the most exciting professional wrestler on the planet who's not named Will Ospreay or Hiromu Takahashi, and you go to commercial when he's doing his stuff. Yep. And then you come back, and they're in control, which you really couldn't see much on the little tiny screen as far as what Ray was actually doing. And you didn't and get the feel from the crowd. You didn't get the, the excitement from the announcers because it was all being overrun by the commercial. Right. I mean, this should you know, have been 
a match that you saved for one of your big events, or at least you at least you open the show with it so that you're not going to commercial during it. But right. but instead you go to commercial do, um, during that match, and it just and you know as as disappointed as I was with the show already, that seeing that just kind of made me go kind of throw my hands up in the air like, okay, you know what, I'm kind of done with this week now. Well, and then MJF, his, I, them joining his interview already in progress. His promo was literally already in progress when they joined it. You know, oh, you've yeah, got that's, just, that's the other thing. Like, that's, I was going to mention that, too. The second week in a row, we see, G, we see MJF out there jawing with the crowd, getting them all riled up, but we don't get to hear a single second of it. You've got your, the best talker in your company. Um, and I don't think it's arguably. I, Jericho is a great talker, but I think right now MJF is probably the best in, in the company. And we get his promos constantly joined in progress, so we don't get to hear him do what makes him the best talker in the company, and that's his crowd work. Right. I mean, we, I mean, we had to see him out there doing it, but do we get to hear it? No. Nope. And, and literally, that's what makes MJF so great on the mic is his crowd work. That's that's the one thing he's always been he's always excelled at. So I don't know. It, it I mean, it, it, you start off with this really. I don't even know if I want to call it a slow burn, just nonsensical heel turn by Adam Page. That's what we start off with. You know, we have the misstep with the women's division, or with the women's title match, and then we had the you know MJF. Uh, joined in progress and then you know we get orange cassidy out there against marco stunt which was i i guess the orange cassidy stuff is fun for a while but he was in the ring way too much for it to to continue to be fun you know the other thing the other thing that we skipped over a little bit just talking about the, uh, we're talking about that tag match that, that they went to commercial during that kind of pissed us both off. Is is we also had the fifty-some-year-old Cody or Dustin Rhodes pin Ray Phoenix. In, in that one. Yeah, that was a little bit much too. Um, and you know, to me, that match should have either opened the show or, or been the main event. I I really don't. I enjoyed the Moxley Jericho segment for what it was, but I thought it went on too long. First of all, and it, sh- and it wouldn't have had to if they hadn't decided to have that be the main event of the show. Um, it, it probably could have been like three or four minutes shorter than it actually was because it started it did start to drag a little bit with him doing the stuff in the ring. Um, but secondly, um, I really I really don't like when shows end in that kind of a segment. It yeah, I've never. Very, it felt very WWE to me, honestly. I've never been a fan of the whole promo to end a show either, um, and I get it. They were this was a big but. Very few people actually thought Moxley was going to join them. Nobody did. So, you know, Wait, just and kidding. then what? That's Wait, what, what you said. Just kidding. Oh yeah, you know, and then that you're right. That that segment with them just shaking bottles and and shaking hands and all this stuff just went on way way too long. I mean, that was that was a good twelve minute segment that should have been about a three minute segment. Yeah, I mean he. he Eight at the most, but yeah, I mean, it should have it should have taken place, you know, probably between the what should, are should taking place between that six man tag and then having the main event be the the Lucha Brothers against the Brotherhood. Can't hear you. He's over here. But instead, we get to we get to end it with with Moxley posing in the crowd and all that kind of all that kind of stuff that that doesn't need to end a show. 
I will say that the one bright spot that I thought was during that com- uh, the first commercial break after the opening match, watching uh, Paige celebrate in the crowd, walking around, grabbing people's drinks and taking a swig of it. And, you know, I thought that was kind of a fun little touch. Well, I didn't see that. So, but yeah, I mean, that was cool from what you're saying, what, from what, you're, what you're describing it, though. Cause especially, I, what, especially after last week, it kind of, uh, kind of goes along with the theme of last week when he took that uh, whiskey out of the out of the private party bar. Yeah, it, what happened is he, um, after the match, uh, you know, him and Kenny made up and did their little, you know, I love you, I love you too, all that stuff. And then they cut to a, a scene where Pac has uh, whatever his finisher is, his submission finisher on Michael Nakazawa. And then... Um, Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Right, exactly. And then you cut back to the ring and, and Adam Page is, or Page is just screaming at uh, at kenny to go you know go go save your friend and then he climbs out and casually walks into the crowd and starts uh, drinking beers with everyone in the crowd it was it was kind of fun it was fun to see but (laughs) but there too but there too that completely takes away from his supposed heel turn you know if he if he's gonna turn heel on kenny omega at some point in the elite don't have him out there celebrating with the crowd because now he's becoming more and more of a sympathetic character Except for what have you and I? What have you and I said over and over in the last couple of years when we've been doing this, these shows? We don't really want heels and faces. We just want people to be people. Exactly. Unfortunately, nobody's successfully been able to do that since uh, CM Punk. Really? Naito. Not in American television. I, oh, okay. In America. Not, I, I not, America not in America. In, in Japan, pretty much everybody's like that. I mean, you saw that in the Okada-Naito match. Okada played the heel perfectly. And I he's one of the... times that Sammy's pulled it off. But I, guess, but I guess it depends on what you mean by America. Like, like you know, and how, how mainstream you consider, like, Impact or Ring of Honor. Because I think those places have pulled it off, too. Well, I don't know about anybody. I can't think of anybody off the top. Well, I guess uh, uh, Marty Skrull pulls it off pretty good, too. Yeah, Marty, Marty does. I think uh, I think Cody did for a while. Sammy definitely does. Yeah, Sammy does. Um, but Sammy Adam, also Adam does. Cole did. Yeah, Adam Cole kind of still does. In fact, all of Undisputed Era does. Yeah. So yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess there are still some people that are leaning towards it, but it it it's it would be nice to see a lot more of. I'd rather see people just be people and not have people. Um, being assholes just to be assholes. You know the, the other. I guess the other person I, that I would mention, and, and you know, we could we could talk about this another time also. But is Matt Riddle a babyface? I don't know what the hell Matt Riddle is. I think he's just a guy. Yeah, I think his. I feel, too. Like, I feel like he he like he does what what he feels is right, but not necessarily plays to the crowd. You know, he and he and he'll he'll take you know and he'll take a vicious tactic if it's gonna if it's gonna win him the match. Well, yeah. I mean, what what he does is he he plays to the crowd during his intro, you know. And then as soon as those flipper or those slippers get kicked off, flip flops or whatever, then all of a sudden he's a completely different. He's the MMA badass. Yeah, he's Mister Intensity for sure. Right, which is what got him over. You know, his match against Drew Gulak, the one that I saw that I was like, okay, this guy's something special. You need to keep an eye on him. And then you started watching him more, and we both realized just how great he is. But yeah, I think he's another one too. That once those once those flip flops comes on, come off, he's no longer the playing to the crowd guy. 
Yeah, and and other guys in NXT that I think that, that I think I think are fit that mold to one extent or another would be Velveteen Dream, and um, and then also definitely Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, Ciampa now, yeah, Ciampa was a dirtbag heel there for a long time, but after he came back and his new, he kept his heel persona and he's, um, kind of just be. Right, and it was the same thing with AJ Styles. I mean, you, you and I talked about. Well, we talked about this on on one of the older shows we did. But <clears throat> how when he came back, or um, after Shane screwed him out of the title, mm-hmm. you know, he got screwed out at, uh, of it by having uh, Cena win it, and then he never got his one on one match against Cena, and then R- Bray Wyatt wins it at the at you know the elimination chamber and then he he gets the title match because randy orton gives it up so he wins a tournament and gets the title match and then and then randy orton comes back and he just gets it back again and then he went on a run for a good six to eight months where he kept his heel gimmick but the fans were cheering him yeah so he really became that that sympathetic heel character kind of like what champa is right now where he's just he's a badass he's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do but the fans are still going to cheer him yeah and, and i and i think that that's where you know i think that's where hangman page could be with with aew and i think that's and honestly i think that's where pack is with aew right now too and yeah i feel Lucha brothers i still feel bad that i get that i excluded um excluded pack from my wrestlers of the year talk <laughs> i do you know, I, he's so talented you know i listened to the super j cast um yesterday yesterday and um i was listening to their year-end awards and do you know that my guy sonata your guy sonata our guy sonata was not in the top five for either most improved um wrestler of the year or um, overlooked wrestler of the year? I think that it doesn't surprise me about wrestler of the year because there's so many um, guys that, as much as we love this guy, there's so many people that had better years than him mm-hmm. and put on better matches. But there's no way that he couldn't have been, shouldn't have been in the most improved or the most overlooked. Yeah, definitely. I, I was shocked. I, I would put him I would put him maybe as the most improved wrestler of the year. Maybe when you look at I mean, he did have some momentum though last year where you could look at a guy like El Fantasmo, who really at the beginning of the year was nothing. And then he had that ridiculous ladder match against David Starr, joined the Bullet Club and went on a run. So I would argue that maybe El Fantasmo might have been the most improved of the year. <clears throat> Darby Allen is certainly looking that way for next year. Well, this this was for NJPW exclusively. So to me, Elfantasmo oh, should have been like in, in a rookie of the year type thing because he because he had never wrestled in NJPW before. Like what March of last year? Oh, this was NJPW only. Yeah, and he wasn't in those. Yeah. Okay, now I'm never going to listen to that show ever because <laughs> I can't I can't agree with them. Sorry, guys, I I can't agree with anybody that would exclude. If I, I was thinking this was like. Um, you know, all promotions lumped together and WWE and AEW and everybody's kind of lumped in with it. Right. Knowing that it was NJPW only, I can't get behind anybody that says that he was, wasn't deserving of at least those two, you know, most improved and uh, most overlooked and definitely a top 10 spot in the wrestlers of the year. 
Yeah, and th- and this was like you know this this wasn't just them though. This was like there you know over four hundred listeners voting for them in their. Whole God, life. that's that's embarrassing. But I will tell but that, I will tell you this also because this this will make you feel better. Um, Jay White was number two in the rest of the year voting. Yeah, probably right behind Okada. Um, was it? Let me think. It was. No, Okada was number three, I think. No. Who was number one then? I'm trying. To, I think I'm trying to remember who number one was. Oh, it, oh, it was uh, obviously it was Osprey. Well, yeah, because I was just a top four there would be oh, well, Osprey number one. I would say White number two, Okada number three, and Naito number four. No, it wasn't though. I, Okada was lower down. Da- I think Okada was lower down. I think he was like fourth. Um, and then maybe Koda at number five. So I can see why Sonata didn't make it into that group. Yeah, Tanahashi, Naito didn't get very many votes, but they were like in the top top seven. That's um, ridiculous. Naito should have been top three or four. I can't think number three was, but I don't think it was Okada. It might have been Okada, but I, I, think, I, I thought Okada, I thought Okada was fourth. I mean, I get that Naito had a um, kind of rough year as he went through it, but. The reality is he had a winning win-loss record. He held the Intercontinental title three times throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You know, there I, I he beat he started the year by beating Jericho on at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean the you know the the most. I mean, I mean, it sure seems like it had to be Okada, but it, based on the names that we're thinking of right now, but I, 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 God, I, I don't think Okada was in the top three. It definitely was Osprey number one and White number two, though, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. And then, like I said, Okada Naito would probably be three, four. It would depend on my mood as to which one would be three and which would be four. And then I would say probably Kota Ibushi. And then you start looking at some of the juniors, like maybe um, uh, Ishimori would have been in there, would have been in the top ten. ZSJ obviously would have been in the top ten, even though he didn't have quite the year he had in years past. Shingo Takagi would have been in that top ten. That's number three was with Shingo. I don't think Shingo was number three. That's what, that. That's what the vote was, though. It was it was Osprey one, White two, Shingo three, Okada four. Oh, that's almost embarrassing. Well, if you think about it, though, Shingo and Osprey had the advantage of being in both major tournaments of the year. They did, but so, Shingo. So, that's, so that, that's a huge body of singles work compared to. Okada's like maybe eight to ten matches. I thought Okada had like fourteen matches. Okay, but that's still you know, even if he had fourteen, that's still fourteen matches throughout the year. Whereas Shingo and Osprey probably had twenty matches just in those two tournaments themselves. Yeah, that's true. Plus Shingo had the plus Shingo yeah, had the run as a junior that. as part of the junior tag team champs too, didn't he? With Bushi? <coughs> I thought it was... Um, I didn't think they had the junior tag champs. I thought they were part of the six-man, weren't they? That's probably... That, that might be true. Or maybe they did have... I'm trying to think who the junior heavyweight champs were. I think you might be right. I think it might have been Shingo and Bushi. Yeah, because I, I, I think that they I think they did have them at one point during the year. But I mean, it, it, the year closed with Fantasmo and Ishimori having them. But I think at some point Shingo and Bushi had them as well. And I think I think well, yeah, because they beat um, Desperado and Kamenaro for it. Right. 
for the titles. Yeah, and their ma- the match and of the year was uh, Osprey versus Shingo. That's tough to disagree with. It is. The only other one I maybe would have put up there would have been uh, White versus Okada from Wrestle Kingdom. I think White versus Okada was no. I'm I'm sorry. Um, wait. Shingo versus Osprey was number one. Tanahashi versus Omega was number two. And then I think number three was the G1 Climax Finals between Ibushi and White. Yeah, and, and you don't... Um, the Dragon Lee-Osprey match isn't there, which was a match of the year contender as well. Dragon Lee and Osprey? When did they face each other? That's who Osprey won the title from. I, he beat he beat Shingo to win the um, Super Juniors, and then he, well, then he Dragon League at Dominion. That's right. Yeah, that was yeah. a fantastic match. Yeah, you know, and then and that's not even counting some of the tag matches that were out there. I still think the um, Birds of Prey versus uh, Bullet Club match was one of the best matches of the year in NJPW too. White oh. versus White versus Naito was probably my favorite match of the year. Speaking of tag matches, I just kind of want to get your reaction on the air to, to this. So. I, t- I told you there was a surprising tag title match that was formed at um, New Year's Dash. You haven't seen New Year's Dash yet, right? Not yet, no. All right, so you don't care about spoilers. So here's Never. the tag team title match. Juice and Finley, so Finn Juice, defending against Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm not mad at that. No, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it kind of makes you, kinda, kinda makes you just want to chuckle inside it, just thinking of the possibilities of, that, of, that, of those two guys being a, a permanent tag team, you know? Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to see them as a permanent tag team. That would be that would be fun. Yeah. Tanahashi, huh? Tanahashi and Ibushi, yeah. Wow. Well, it's about time they do something with Tanahashi. You know, because they haven't done enough with him over the course of the last, you know, decade. Right. And, the we, guy. And, we've, and we've talked about, you know, about the heavy well, tag title realize. division, like, being so so poor. But if you put those two together, and we just saw on that same show, we had the team I've been begging for for years, Goto and, Goto and Ishii teaming together, you know. Weren't they a tag team for a while? Never a regular tag team. Ishii and Yano were a tag team. You know, actually, the more I think about this, the more that's a perfect spot for Tanahashi. He's kind of fading out of the main event and even the Intercontinental title picture, but he still is such a draw that keeping him around and active in a tag team might be a good way to give him his swan song. And plus, Ibushi just lost back-to-back matches at Wrestle Kingdom back-to-back nights, so it's a good it's a good spot for him to kind of, like, build his credibility back up, too. And who else are you going to build him back up with uh, than with Ace of the Promotion? Right. And, I mean, Tanahashi... I, I, I realize we kind of strayed from our purpose of this show tonight, but, I'm, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, just, I just thought that was, that was interesting since we were talking about... Uh, I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know exactly how we... Oh, we were talking about guys that were, that were tweeners, I guess. That's how we got into Yeah, this. and then... 
And you know what, guys? It's all right that we strayed this time from the show because we pretty much covered everything that we really could. We did. We did. Yep. There really wasn't much more to go through in this. It was, it was a subpar show. It was, you know, it, there's still some decent moments in it. Like obviously that opening match was pretty good, and um, even though the two promos drug uh, drug on a little bit longer than they probably should have, they still had some. There was still some goodness there. So. And Jeff and I were, and Jeff and I also like we, we've been we haven't talked today a little bit how how pumped we are to be covering NJPW again and now they've got the new you know we just had Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash and we've got the new, all the new beginning shows coming up and the U S shows plus the two big Japanese shows so yeah we're really psyched. You know I thought Will Osprey was older than twenty six. Nope. Huh? He's got he's not even in his prime yet, dude. Is that scary or what? Yes, that's that's incredibly scary. You know, two, two, three of the top five professional wrestlers on the planet are not are not yet in, the, in their primes. Well, Will I Osprey, mean, Osprey's Jay White's twenty seven. Jay White and Kazushiko Okada. Okada's thirty two, I think. Yeah, but can you do you really think he's actually hit his prime yet? I don't. Oh God, no, no. <laughs> No, I mean people usually hit. That's why. That's why you know we say that if you're not a star by the time you're 35, you're probably not going to get there, because most wrestlers hit their prime when they're 35, and if they're not, if they're hitting their prime when they're a star, they're probably going to stay where they're at. Yeah, and Okada's already a mega star, and he's still got three years to go before he hits that. He's. I mean, I. It, it's tough, hard pressed to say that there's anybody anybody better on a night-in, night-out, match-by-match basis than Okada anywhere in the world. And you, and you could have said that for the last um, five years. Well, like, and that's, that's what we were saying. Because I think Shinsuke was right before he left NJPW. Well, and Omega had a run there where he was, and you know I felt like Gar- Gargano had a run where he might have been there. No. But then there's nobody, there's nobody that's been consistently the greatest on the planet than Okada. Exactly. And Which is you, why... And you also look at guys like ZSJ is not in his prime yet. Sonata's just heading into his prime, in my opinion. You know, I mean, it's, yep. it's just crazy. The, 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 top, the level of talent in that promotion right now that is not even at their prime, but yet they're at or near the top of the promotion. Now, Sonata's 31. Yep, 30, so, I mean, right. he hasn't... That's right, he is. He hasn't hit his prime yet. I mean, and Evil's twenty nine. I think is Evil that young? I'll look him up after. He's either twenty nine or thirty. I think. I think he's he's right around the same age as Sonata, but a little bit younger. Holy crap! I didn't realize Abushi was thirty seven. Yeah. It's a little older than I thought he'd be. Uh, Evil is thirty two. Oh, okay. So I, I thought I thought it was the other way around. So he's a year older than Sonata, but still. Not quite in his prime either. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of talent. There. It's crazy there. A lot of talent there. Oh, and since we're on this, and we're, we already agree that we're talking about NJPW for now, you know, we talked about the Never title the other day. Um, so I was thinking about the I was thinking about this like guys that are under 35 that are not yet at the top of the promotion that could be wrestling for that championship and make it back to what it should be, like like the young guys fighting for it. Shingo, David Finley, Finn, um, David Finley, um, Juice, 
then you've got Evil, and you've got Sonata. I mean, that's just five guys right there that could, that could cover the course of two years of title defenses. ZSJ is 32. And ZSJ, I realize that's right. Shingo is 37, so he's not a young guy anymore. <laughs> well, I guess he feels young because he's not been in NJPW very long. But. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he ruled over Noah, though, for almost two decades. And then when you have guys that are moving up from the junior division, you're going to have Sho, you're going to have Yo, you have Phantasmo, and you have Will Ospreay. I think Sho um, and guys like ZSJ and... Uh, People like that fighting over the Never title would actually would actually be great. Yeah, and then that you know it's a stepping that makes it a stepping stone to the higher titles. Whereas whereas where it's been for the last you know seven years has been you know just you know older guys just treating it as a brawling championship, except for when Osprey, Ibushi, and Cobb held it. You know, you talk about a guy that's never really going to make it because he's past his prime, but they keep pushing him occasionally. Tai Chi, he's thirty nine. <laughs> yeah, he is, but you know what? He's getting better. He is, and I've when he won his second never. I remember saying that to you when he won the second never title. I'm like, you know what? Taichi's actually starting to put this shit together. And you're like, no, no, he still sucks. And now you're kind of seeing it too. He's getting, he's improved so much over the last two years that it's almost not like you're not even watching the same guy anymore. Yeah, but I mean, and I and I agree that I that I said that, but remember how great he was against against um, Naito in that match, like towards the end of last year? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Holy crap, everybody in LIJ is old. <laughs> Naito's 37 Bushi is 36 What's Hiromu, 24? I'm looking him up now This is what happens when we start talking wrestling, guys <laughs> It goes everywhere uh, He's 30 Jesus, he's 30 I didn't know that There's nobody in LIJ that's under 30 years old but you know, if you, but you know, if you if you reset the never title what it's, to what it's supposed to be, which is like the younger guys fighting for it, and the, you know, guys, let's say guys under thirty five, um, then you come back and and next year or the or like yeah, I would say next year when Shota Umina comes back, it's a perfect spot for him to come in there and, and take the organization by storm by winning that championship from somebody important like Z, like ZSJ or Osprey or somebody like that. You know what I mean? Did you hear he cut his hair? He got it, or he got his head shaved? Shota? Yeah, he lost a um, match in CMLL and they shaved his head. Shota Umino. Yep. No, that was th- no, that was the other guy. That was Kawato. I thought it was Umino. No, that was Kawato. Umino's wrestling for Rev Pro, not for CMLL. Oh, okay. Whoever the guy was that went to uh, CMLL yeah, got Kawato. his head shaved. Okay, all right. Yeah, and I, and I was on the same call when uh, Imp told us both that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, my last few days runs well every day runs together I guess it wasn't just the last few days alright well I got nothing left on, on what we were supposed to be talking about so no as far as this episode's dynamite goes I'm, I hope next week's is good <laughs> um, well next week we we kick off the bash of the beach so we oh, got yeah, the so run next up next week we, t- we get to bitch about the <clears> page <throat> we know the ring hopefully it's not for very long and it's really quick 
And hopefully he hits his cutter, but somebody kicks him in the face and he rolls out and somebody else comes in and gets the pin. Good call. Anyway, that's all we've got for, for, for tonight. Make sure you stay tuned to all the other LOP radio shows. Oh, Jeff, tell everybody where they can listen to us at. Um, and we got our... Tonight. <clears throat> well, our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash King, uh, Kingdom of Honor. We do a lot of exclusive stuff, and we're actually going to do a show after... Um, we're done with this our next in line of jessica jones will be talking about season uh episode nine and that will be up on our um patreon page as well as this show and many others because our entire archive is up there and we do a bunch of exclusive shows just for patreon and patreon subscribers so if you um feel like you want to maybe donate a little bit to our cause here and uh and get some exclusive programming and head over to patreon.com slash kingdom of honor you can get all of it there <clears throat> twitter you can find me at Rigi co-op you can find him at zanman lop use hashtag koh hashtag dad everything i put up there is tagged with that so it's easier to find us and you can follow us for all kinds of wrestling goodness um and then of course youtube something that uh, we're trying to get our youtube channel up and going uh, it's youtube.com slash kingdom of honor and starting this weekend we re- we recorded our re- review on the star wars movie the latest star wars movie um the rise of skywalker and that is going to be an exclusive to youtube show so uh, i'll let you guys know when that one's up and running and you can head over to youtube hit the subscribe button hit the like button get us to enough views that we can actually start doing things on a more um frequent basis over there so and as a programming note next week i'm, I'm going to be out of town and it sounds like i'm going to have a dinner during the same time that we normally would do our show so probably next week on no Kingdom of Honor unless we do it like later in the day or the next night or something. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep the Jeff will keep you posted on Twitter because I don't do that social media stuff very often. But uh, my my guess is that probably we probably won't be a show next week. We'll probably just take a break for a week. Um, but then we would come I wonder back, how we'll old. Back strong talking about New Year's Dash, talking about um, possibly even Hard to Kill. What are you gonna say, Jeff? Are we gonna are we doing a um, Dynamite After Dark next week? Or are you gonna be busy then too? Dynamite After Dark should be a possible, should be good to go. But but I know okay. Monday night we have a, I have a meeting set with the vice president of our division. So. Oh yeah, so that's not going to be a good thing. I wonder how old the cat is. If Takahashi's thirty, I wonder how old the cat is. You just got it a few months ago. No. Daryl. Gary. Yeah. No idea. That's a weird thing to say. Well, I mean, I miss the cat. I was so disappointed the cat didn't come out with us, with him on last Saturday and Friday. Wow, you're becoming, you're becoming the crazy cat, man. Right after you broke up with the crazy cat lady. It's kind of crazy. Um, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh, it, it laughed. You laughed because it hurt you. Um, anyway, uh, stay tuned to tomorrow to Imps LLP Radio Adventure on Friday, the right side of the pond. And the next Wednesday will be... Sports Entertainment is dead, plus Dynamite After Dark. I'm almost positive. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night.